0: From the Mercy One Studio. Thought of the Week with Monsignor Frank Bagnano every Wednesday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio and online at iowacatholicradio.com or the Iowa Catholic Radio app. This is Monsignor Frank Bagnano Thought of the Week. Thought of the Week Iowa Catholic Radio. Here's a good question. Why don't Catholics read the Bible? Or do we even know the Bible? You know, our Protestant brothers and sisters, they seem to know quite a bit about it. In fact, they can quote it, quote passages, and they say, why don't you know it? Well, let's. here's a little bit of history, if you're interested in this, um, why Catholics are not that familiar with it and Protestants are real familiar with it. Back in the uh, 1500s was the Protestant Reformation. Some of the complaints against the Catholic Church, people who complained, like uh, Martin Luther, uh, he was a monk, a a scripture scholar. And the complaints and criticisms were valid and true. Some of them were true, of course, uh, because, for example, uh, in parts of Europe, there's a big emphasis in the Church on doing good works of charity and then racking up points in heaven. Uh, then the practice of praying for indulgences, not just praying, but paying for them. Uh, by the way, indulgences are valid, true, good. You can Google it up uh, in the Catholic Church, for example. A big one is the apostolic blessing of a priest for a dying person, which takes away their purgatory, you might say, all, all punishment due to uh uh, temporal punishment due to sin, past sins, that's still good. I, in fact, when somebody's dying, I always give them the apostolic blessing. It's great and dull. I don't charge them for it. But they seemed to do things like that back in the 1500s, and Martin Luther didn't like that. A lot of people didn't like that. And somehow or other, also, uh, the uh, not only did they do that, but the, the, some of the sermons priests were giving were very this, theological, very philosophical. And Luther and others said, "Well wait, let let's get back to just talking about the Bible in sermons. Great idea, uh-huh. However, uh, their uh, wanting to get back to Jesus and the Bible, etc, was not anything exclusively for Protestant. There were some great saints at that time. For example, Saint Teresa of Avila, Saint John of the Cross, Saint Ignatius of Loyola, who started the Jesuits, all lived in the 1500s. They were great. they brought about great. Renewal of the Catholic Church. And there was the Council of Trent in the fifteen hundreds that changed a lot of things in the church. It's great stuff. So there was a lot going on there. But again, uh, the, the the again the reformers uh, they they were kind of upset about that uh, about the fact that we didn't weren't talking too much about the Bible from the pul- pulpit. And uh, so what they try, they did is they said, well, you know, also all these sacraments, you know, bread and wine and oil and water and all that kind of stuff, those are worldly superstitious styles. Let's drop all that stuff. We don't need that. Um, all we need to do is get back to the basics. Uh, let's uh, get back to the Bible. Um, unfortunately, as, as <laughs> you know, unfortunately, they threw out some of the basic teachings of the church, including the sacraments of the church. Uh, And, by the way, at the same time, you had the invention of the printing press just, what, a century before that, that had been developed. So now you could get multiple copies of the Bible available to people, uh, and they said, look, stick to the Scriptures. But, but, (laughs) pretty soon you ran into a huge problem, which was who interpretation uh, of the words of Scripture. For example, is baptism really necessary if I simply say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and repent of my sins? Boom. Some say, "Uh, yeah, you still got to be baptized. I'd say, no, you don't have to be baptized. You're saved. I'd say, well, we're not sure. Well, there was a lot of confusion. It rained. And by the way, it rains today. There are what? 30,000 Protestant denominations in our country alone. Why? Because you got 30,000 different ways of looking at the Bible, of interpreting the Scriptures. So you got a little problem. But the good thing is they did have the Bible. Good. That's great. Wonderful. Good, good stuff. But like I said, the confusion continues to exist. Yep. Over uh, the question of authority. Who has, who has the authority to say, yeah, you need to be baptized, or no, you don't need to be baptized, and then you can pull out different Bible passages to prove your point. So, who has the authority to do that? And uh, that is the question. For example, when Jesus said at the Last Supper, "This is my body," uh, well, did he did that actually change the bread and wine into his Body, uh, uh, or did he simply mean this is a symbol of my body, uh, or or what? So anyway, uh, uh, what what did he mean? what did What did Jesus mean? What was his intention? And besides that, uh, what about his? uh, He gave it the authority the apostles. He said, "Do this in commemoration of me." So they did it. And they've done it ever since. The, the apostles and their successors, the bishops and priests of the church, over the bread and wine at, at the Mass, they say the words, this is my body over the wine, this is my blood, does it change? Is it the same? Who's got the authority to, to determine that? Somebody, <laughs> you can't have it both ways. It either was the changed or it wasn't changed. It wasn't, what do you think it was? No. So who has that authority? And that is a real big Question is the authority, authority to interpret the scriptures right interpretation. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'm going to uh, tell you a little incident that happened he just recently at my cousin's house, having dinner, and and a couple of guys knocked at the door, and they each had a Bible. And they wanted us to invite us to their local Baptist church. I thought that was great. I'm all for people hitting the street with Bibles and trying to get people to go to their churches. I love it. We need to get God back in the center of things. But we got into a little discussion about, well, where did the Bible come from? So we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Don't go away, I'll... Be right back and tell you what happened. Impoverished children break everyone's heart, but poverty seems like such a big problem. What can one person do to make a difference? For 17 years, Blessman International's passion has been to connect the resources of our donors with sustainable programs that impact the lives of impoverished children in South Africa. Our donors are feeding thousands of hungry children every week, providing basic water and sanitation for impoverished communities, and sharing the love of God in practical ways every day. Go to www.blessmaninternational.org
1: Online at AshworthVision.com.
0: Doing what is challenging because it's right. That's Blackbird Investments. In 2013, Blackbird Investments was born from the inspiration of St. Kevin. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird Investments believes in giving buildings a new life. BlackbirdInvest.com. Blackbird Investments, doing what is challenging because it's right monsignor frank vignano we're talking about the bible uh and uh why we have like the protestant interpretations many of them Thirty thousand, I think, if I'm correct on those numbers, and also the Catholic. So anyway, I was telling about my. I was at my cousin's house, and these fellows came to the door, and uh, I was very grateful. They wanted to invite us to their church. So then we got. They want. They wanted to know uh, if if I was going to heaven. I go. I don't know. I think I am. Yeah. I am. They said, Well, if you say Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you're, you're guaranteed. You are saved. I said all right, I I get that. I that's in Romans or Romans uh, I think it's chapter 10. That's fine. I said well look, yeah, that but also you know in addition to saying that little sentence, I got to live the life of Jesus Christ. I've got to love my neighbor. I've got to love my enemy. I got to love God above all things, et cetera. I got to keep the 10 commandments. No, no. No, you don't. No, you just say I believe in Je- <laughs> In Jesus my Lord and Savior. You're you're, you're set, man. I said, how do you square that? I, I just, I-, I don't get it. So anyway, uh, and what I wanted to do with them, and I didn't have time, obviously, uh, was I wanted to say, well, w- w- wait a minute. Where did you get the Bible in the first place? You guys all have the Bible in your hand. Where'd that come from? Where'd you get it? Uh, and I think it would have maybe helped them if they knew the history of the Bible. Did it drop out of heaven? Did Jesus write it? Did the apostles write it? No. No, Jesus didn't write one word. He never told the apostles to write anything. He didn't do that. No, no. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of a history of the Bible. Stay with you. I'm going to tell you this because this would be good. I think we all ought to know a little bit of the history of, of the Bible. Uh, so uh, let, let's uh, take a quick look. Well, first of all, look. You all know this already. The Bible has two sections, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the history of God's love and dealing with the human race, um, and in particular with the Jewish people. That all started, of course, with, with Abraham and his wife, Sarah. It's beautiful. Old Testament's got... I read it every day. It's great. Inspired. It's fantastic. Um, uh, the, in, in fact, uh, in the Bible, just a little more data for you. Uh, There are 73 books in the Bible under one cover, even though uh, it's not a single unified book. Uh, There are 73 different authors of the different books of the 73 books of the Bible. They have different styles, different perspectives, and it was composed over a span of several centuries. Uh, The New Testament deals with Jesus and the Church. Okay? Those are 27 books. Uh, the other 46 books of the Old Testament Hebrew Scriptures, uh, they deal with, I say, the Jewish people. God's dealing with his wonderful chosen people and all of the revelation he gave to them, which we have as well, really like the Ten Commandments, for example. So, uh, the New Testament was, was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, three different languages. Uh The rich diversity of the Bible is one of the glories because it allows the story of God's people to be told from different perspectives. Uh, But it also presents a challenge to us, the reader, who uh, should be aware of the different cultures and historical literary styles that actually go into the Bible. Now remember, there is a unity in the Bible uh, that binds all together the different pieces of literature, all of them flow out of what? God's love, God's plan. God's trying to reveal himself to us, his providence for Israel in the Old Testament, his providence for Christians and for the New Testament and for the world. All the many authors and over the, over the several centuries had the conviction that God's promise and God's presence is felt in human history. God is with us every minute in our history. And he invites us the human family to respond with faith and integrity to his invitation, his words. Let's take a quick look at the Old Testament. Uh, as I said, there are thirty nine books, they're divided into three categories. You got the basic books, the law, that is the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch, okay? Then the second section, the prophets, do you have the former prophets, such as Judges and Samuel, and so on. And then you have the latter prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and so on. And the third part of the Old Testament are called the writings. And here we've got the beautiful the Psalms of David, Proverbs, Job, Song of Songs, Ruth, and so on. Now, in the Roman Catholic and Orthodox versions, there are seven other books which are not in the Protestant version, Uh, For example, uh, the books which uh, they would reject, uh, not part of their uh, canon. So we have got extra books (laughs) in our Bible that, that they don't have. All Christians believe in the New Testament. That is the 27. Not a problem. 27 books. Okay. Catholics and Orthodox believe in a larger Old Testament, 46 books. Protestants say, no, there's not. There's only 39. 39. Well, yeah, you got this discrepancy. Basically, what happened was, in the year 100 B.C., the Jewish scholars got together uh, and put together all their books in Alexandria, Egypt, uh, at the, for the great library there. All right. And they came up with 39 books. Uh, during the years before the birth of Jesus, uh, after the year 100 B.C., there were other books were written. Seven other books were written. Okay, they were written in Greek. Okay, so that made a total of 46. And uh, th- those uh, in the, in the, when the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when the church got together in the year 100 AD, 100 years after Christ, they had both this Jewish version, which was uh, j- the, those 39 books, and they had these extra books as well, which were used by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which which added up uh, to, to the 43. So anyway, the church said, nah, this is the one, the Greek version, we're going to use it. Matthew used it. It's got to be good for everybody. So we'll be right back in and I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Old Testament and New Testament.
1: Why do folks give to the Catholic tuition organization? Probably because they love Catholic schools, right? Partially, but they also like the tax benefits, or they were helped when their kids were in school, or they have been blessed and want to bless others. Whatever the reason, the 65% tax credits are great, and after all, it's for the kids and their future. Online, ctoiowa.org.
0: Are you prepared for the 2020 Iowa Catholic Men's Conference, Sons of the Father? Saturday, February 22nd at the Embassy Suites by Hilton downtown. Mass will be offered at 7.30 a.m., registration begins at 8, and the conference kicks off at 9 with Iowa State University head football coach Matt Campbell. Followed by Joe Stopulis from the Man Up Show. John Leonetti from Iowa Catholic Radio will host the Iowa Catholic Men's Conference, Sons of the Father, Saturday, February 22nd at the Embassy Suites by Hilton downtown. Learn more at iowacatholicradio.com. Okay, we're talking about the Bible, and we're talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament. All Christians, Catholics, Protestants, everybody believe, 27 books in the uh, New Testament. and the Old Testament, there's a discrepancy of seven books, Catholics and Orthodox believe uh, that uh, there are uh, these extra these we want to call them extra books in the in the Old Testament. That's it. Uh, so now we have the question. Well, wait a minute. Uh, who has the authority <laughs> to interpret the words of the Bible? Who's got that authority? Uh, as I said before, for example, Jesus said, "This is my body. This is my blood." Lest Supper, did he did it? Really change into his body and blood, or was it just a symbol? Uh, and when he told the apostles, "Do this in memory of me," did it happen at their masses that they celebrated? You know, well, actually, where does that authority? Where who has the authority? Jesus in the scriptures <laughs> himself uh, gave it to us. Uh, he he told the uh. Uh, apostles, remember, Jesus didn't write anything himself, and no, he didn't either. But he said, "He said, whoever hears you hears me; whoever listens to you listens." He gave authority to the apostles. That's why he even had him in the first place, so they could carry on and validly interpret his words and his actions. And in particular, to Saint Peter, Matthew sixteen sixteen, he he looked at Simon Peter and he changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock rock and Jesus said you know thou art Peter upon this rock I will build my church and so that's it there would be a, a rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it so there's your authority in black and white it, it's in the church that's where you get the authority that's where he put it in, and specifically in the leaders in the apostles and their validly ordained successors and so for the next 15 centuries after the time of Christ, the words of Jesus uh, and the acceptance of the authority of the apostles, the bishops, and the pope was assumed. Everybody said, yeah, they got the authority, they can correctly interpret the passages uh, upon which, uh, it would, and the church is, is uh, the one who will interpret those. Uh, by the way, how did the New Testament, get composed. Are you ready for this one? Really quick. It's real simple. Uh, it's all historical data you can st- study. Here's a short version. In the decades after Christ, there were a lot of writings. Some were good, which we still have. Uh, there were the four Gospels, all the epistles, okay, New Testament, which we call now the New Plus, there were some spiritual writings, which were good. We have not For example, you ever hear of the letter of Barnabas? You ever hear of the Dedicae? You ever heard the epistles of Clement and all these good stuff. I, I read them I've read them myself. All good. There also were some fake gospels, called heretical gospels, written by the Gnostics. For example, the Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Peter. What? I've read some of that too. All you gotta do is start reading it. It's weird. And it was condemned by the church. It was written by heretics who tried to deceive the church, whatever. It didn't work. Well, then, in the fifth century, the church decided. Well, look, it's time for us to settle everything. Let's. There were there are good books, uh, the epistles, epistles of Clement. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you got these these other weird things. So they convened a council in Hippo, North Africa, in three ninety three, Council of Hippo. And the bishops attended the council after, after um, polling their parishes. Uh, from around the world saying, what do you, the people, the priests and of the parishes, consider to be inspired word of God? Well, they all said anything written by Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That did it. They all came to Hippo, North Africa. They agreed on these 27 books of the New Testament. And the 46 of the Old Testament, they wanted the Greek version of the Old Testament because that's the one Mat- Matthew used when he quotes the Old Testament. So those are 46 books. They sent their... Recommendation to the, the Pope at that time, he said, You got it right, these are this is it. This is the Bible. This is it. So the Bible did not just drop out of heaven. <laughs> no, it's the inspired word of God declared so by the bishops of the Council of Hippo and the Council of Carthage a few years later, and the Pope at that particular time to clarify which books were inspired by the Holy Spirit's which were false, and which were just good spiritual writings, but didn't get up to the caliber of being the inspired word of God. So, when I was approached by my well-intentioned Baptist evangelists, good people, uh, with different, uh, we, we differed on the meaning of some of the New Te- Testament passages. I was tempted simply to ask them, "Hey, by the way, where did the Bible come from? Who said it was the word of God anyway?" Who said that? Jesus didn't write it. So, who declared it was the Word of God? And where do they get the authority to do that? Well, there's you got to go to history. It was declared by the bishops of the Catholic Church in 393 AD, believed by the church right from the very beginning. They clarified it in 393, declared it as such. And I say, well, if you don't accept the authority of the Catholic bishops, Uh, then you got to go back before 393, find all those books, the Epistles of Clement and all these other books, and you decide what's the inspired Word of God. But if you accept that Bible you're holding in your hand as the Word of God, you're accepting the authority of somebody who said it was the Word of God. And who said that? The Catholic bishops in the 4th century. That's who said it. Oh, my gosh. So that's authority. You gotta have authority. And not just to say what it is, but also to interpret the words of the scripture, to interpret it validly. What does it mean? This is my body. This is my blood. What does it mean? What do these passages mean? So study history. Be honest. Pray for honesty and openness to the truth. It all leads to the Catholic Church. And God bless our Protestant friends for their knowledge of the scriptures. Uh, wonderful. God bless them. Monsignor Frank Bugnano, Iowa Catholic Radio. Join Iowa Catholic Radio every Wednesday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. for Thought of the Week with Monsignor Frank Bugnano Listen online at iowacatholicradio.com or on the Iowa Catholic Radio app.